Hey Warriors, and welcome back to another episode. I just wanted to let you guys know that we're still waiting for the IRS. It's still at February 25th, but we're hopeful that at least maybe by November things will come through. Um, we do, you know, we're, we are getting to a point where we have to consider maybe getting a part-time job, but we're hoping that the money that God has provided will be enough to get through to that point. But if you guys are willing and want to, it would be awesome if you guys would support this podcast because that money will be going towards helping us, you know, getting through that last little bit of time that we have with uh, waiting on the Lord. And I know that, you know, ultimately he knows exactly what things are going to happen and I don't really have to worry about it. But at the same time, it's all right to ask. So I am going to ask if you guys feel motivated, even if it's for just a couple months, that would be awesome. And if not, that's okay. The Lord will provide in any way possible. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, the family, the Fitch family. Um, sadly, uh, the kids that I was brought up with in high school, their dad died from complications with COVID. Um, I honestly think it may be a mix of some of the issues he may have had beforehand that COVID kind of just caught up and it's hard to see a guy who is a very godly man and who loved Jesus um, and loved music. He was the basically the choir, I guess you could say, the music pastor and choir director at the school that I was at for high school. And he did a lot of different types of just teachings and helping young people have a better understanding of their voice and what God has created in them, the, you know, the sound from our voices. And I still remember that day when I first met him that he asked if I was into choir, I like to sing or anything. And I said, no, not really, because I was like super shy. And he just kind of smiled. It was like he had this little secret that he knew about me. And he just said, why don't you just try? And I said, well, I guess I will. And he really helped me have a better understanding of music, a better understanding of my voice. I mean, I am no professional singer, but the idea is that he taught me something that I've never forgotten. And I'm grateful for that. And, you know, if you guys could just think about them as the Finch family and uh, just pray for them, pray that they can get through this, this, this hard time and uh, just pray for the kids as three of them. And this, this is, this is tough on them. So um, a lot of them are basically my age group and a little bit younger. So, I mean, and they have, he had grandkids as well. So there's a lot of prayer needed for that family. Anyways, uh, lately what has been on my mind is I've been like doing some reading. And like I said, if you guys have not gotten the book by Alyssa Childers, um, you should. It's called Another Gospel. She does an excellent job of basically kind of sharing her story of what she's kind of gone through after she was done with Zoe girl and kind of getting back into church again and not in the sense of traveling church. Cause like she did a lot of traveling because of music, but now that she was becoming more settled, she was starting to go right back into church. And she started realizing that the church she was at, the, the pastor was progressive and he was starting to teach things that she just, she knew in her heart was wrong but she couldn't figure out why. And she in her book, she does a great job of clarifying a lot of different things and what she went through and how she studied and how she figured out uh, to kind of own her faith, which is one of the things I think uh, even as Christians, we have a hard time doing is owning our faith. But in her book, she mentions three things that kind of, I would say, I, me personally, would be the basics of what we should know and understand of our faith. And that's creation. Uh, secondly, would be the fall of man. 
thirdly would be the the redeeming or redemption point well you know that's jesus and then the fourth one is restoration and restoration is kind of i think that's a that's a long journey travel because one i don't think we'll be fully restored until we're in heaven but i do think god works in us because you remember paul talks about us being a new creation or a new creature, excuse me, new creature in Christ, because you know the old ways, the old man is put away, the new man is is in us, and I think that's part of restoration, uh, because God starts moving in us, working in us, helping us to be more Christ-like, to be more of the man or woman, whoever is listening, the man that we're supposed to be as men of God. So I was just thinking about how important these four values have. I'm not going to get into in-depth information on creation and the fall and you know so forth but what i do want to emphasize what's very fascinating about all four you know if you guys don't know about creation the best way to learn about creation is go to genesis 1 and 2 and it explains to you the image of creation understanding what god did he spoke things into existence now if you study more in, in our, our human history, I guess would be the best way to describe. We know that Darwinism and evolution, the Big Bang Theory, and you know, all that has kind of clouded that image by creating another version of how this world and all the galaxy and everything was created. Simply stated, basically it removes God from that picture. Because one, if you believe in the Big Bang Theory, everything came to existence as two energy forces collided in each other and made a big explosion. And so suddenly now creation is being created and that we came from basically little microbes that eventually figured out how to create a human. This took millions and millions and millions and millions of years. Uh, same with you know Darwin himself teaching that there was this missing link and that if we find the link, we'll discover that we are not created within basically 10,000 years that we've been around for millions of years and that there was a transformation of manhood. So men were like animal, like gorilla monkey type into more human and then more human as we advanced over time. Now, the cool part about the idea of evolutional understanding is animals we've seen in animals. And I think even in humans, there is some form of adaption that happens. So one of the things like Darwin taught was about this, this set of birds that he found on this island where he saw different kind of stages of types of birds. So they kind of adapted and changed. But that doesn't necessarily prove evolution. It proves adaption of something. Because it's the same, same thing with us. Um, we learn to adapt, but because we're designed differently from an animal, we we adapt differently. So I mean that that's 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 the fascinating part about Darwin. But because he did Origins of Species, that gave everybody in the liberal side a ticket to run with and jump all around and say, "Look, we have another answer." And so, even though supposedly in his deathbed he said that he believed that God is the creator and that if you can't find the missing link then he was wrong. But hey, let's not talk about that. Let's focus on the idea that he made a book that gives us an option to say God didn't do something. So that's what people ran with. Um, sadly, what also started happening is like um, Ivy League 
colleges that you know we love to watch football games or want our kids to go to they were all designed in most part for building pastors and i'm sure some of you guys did not know this but some of you guys may have known this so for one example um we all know about yale but we also know that there are other schools like stanford and um harvard which i know everybody wants to go to harvard uh, you know like a lot of movies everybody wants to become you know go to harvard well harvard at first was actually designed solely to build pastors that was the main essence behind it well the i think it was the president of the school decided that hey you know if we're gonna be teaching our our young men about the bible and truth we should also have the counterparts that way they have a better understanding so they know how to deal with it well, it, this goes into saying, like the old saying, if you have a bunch of good apples and you bring a rotten apple and you throw it into the good apples, what happens to all the good apples? It doesn't make the rotten apple good. It, rot, it starts rotting the other apples, right? So basically what happened is because he invited that one person that brought in the liberal thinking of Darwinism and Darwinism started kind of spreading into everything about the school. So then there was a group of people who said, hey, we don't like this, so we're going to leave and start our own school. And boom, that's where Yale was born. So now if you go to New Haven, Yale, that's their that's their foundation. That's where they come from. So here's the issue. Once again, we should bring in the other side in here so that way our guys can have a better understanding of both sides. And once again, they throw in that rotten apple inside a bunch of good apples and boom. Yale is now also switched over to being more liberal. And that's why these schools don't even really express that they were designed for building pastors. So that being said, that's why I think creation is very vital of understanding of where we stand on. Now, that doesn't say that there is this whole kind of theological discussion of whether a day was literally 24 hours or it could have meant a thousand, thousand days a year to God. So there's a lot of variation that people try to use scripture to try to justify the type of how creation was created. So, but that's not what I'm here to argue, but that's something you guys should study. That's one area that you guys should learn about and have a better understanding. Now, I believe it was 24 hours only because God was creating the world and basically creating time. So there's no reason why he would take a thousand years to create something. I think there were 24 hours of time of each time because he spoke it into existence in the sixth day. The seventh day, you know, he took, he, he had rest and he watched and he, he thought what he made was amazing. Now, what we don't know is how old Adam and Eve were when he created them. You know, that were they 21, 16, 30, 32? Like, we don't know that part of the scenario. And we also don't know how many, how much time has passed from God creating Adam and Eve until the point where Satan is talking to Eve. So... Could have been a hundred years, could have been a thousand years. We don't know that part. But what we do know is after that point, we get some value of time. So we kind of have an age that we can follow for Adam and Eve. Um, so that being said, we also don't know exactly if maybe there was not necessarily any time but the problem is god created the light or i say basically night and day he created that and therefore i don't think that the world would be dark for a thousand years 
then switch over to being light for a thousand years. You know what I mean? There's some things where I'm kind of looking at science too, and even though it may be different today than it was back then, I still also think God planned it out to be how we would relate to it, you know? So that being said, you should know creation, you should understand it, you should, you know, there's plenty of articles, there's plenty of people who have spent a lot of time studying research, who have done archaeological digs, and there's stuff that you could see that disprove evolution and disprove uh, the idea of Darwinism and basically the Bing Bang Theory. There's plenty of stuff that could dispute that. And of course, their side is going to say there's plenty that could dispute that there is no God, that there's no creator. But technically, it's kind of funny, but most of the time you find out most of these people eventually do discover that God, there has to be at least a great designer. And then too many of them start becoming Christians. They, they discover God through it. Because ultimately, they... <laughs> They discover the vastness of creation in a way that there's no way that it just happened by mistake. So if you want scriptural, it's the first. I mean, there's plenty of scriptures throughout scripture that you could find that depicts back to that creation. And like I said, there's actual scientific information you could find out there. And you should do a study on it for yourself. Maybe you can do it with your family. I mean, there's just places that you can go to that you could probably visit museums and stuff that talk about it. But... I think that's one vital point because if you don't have a grasp of creation right there, you already could be more influenced than you can think by so-called science, so-called evolution, so-called Darwinism and all these different philosophies and views that could be teaching, not what scripture talks about, let alone the idea of what creation is. So that's definitely why for many decades there was a lot of discussion over that because a lot of anti-god believed that if they could break the image of creation would break the image of christianity too so that was one major fight that we we had for a long time i don't see it as much today because i think we have a lot of people who don't spend enough time in scripture for one and also don't want to debate about creation versus evolution but I will tell you this, in schools today, they do teach about evolution and they do teach it as a fact, even though there's not enough, there's like no evidence, it's all theory, but they teach it as fact. So your kids are still being influenced that way. Second thing is the fall. Now the fall of man is in Genesis 3. It's at a point where you have Satan whispering in the woman's ear and trying to convince her that did God really say that you couldn't eat from this tree? Did he really say that, you know, you will surely die from it? So the thing is, if we know anything about sin and we've, we've studied sin, we, we, we did research on sin, we understand that sin in itself can be a long gated situation of information like one of the songs like i have mentioned before slow fade by uh, casting crowns is a very good example of that it can be a slow fade so personally for me i don't think it's just like one day the serpent came up to her and talked to her and she just suddenly changed i think the serpent was probably watching from a distance and started noticing the curiosity that maybe eve had for this tree or even adam too like but he went for eve because the best way to attack any situation is not necessarily attack the leader, but attack those underneath the leader. Because if you could break them, they can influence leadership. That's why it's very important, even in your own church, guys, 
it's a lot of times corruption may not be in the leadership itself, but actually people underneath the leadership. That's why you have to be really careful. Look for those red flags. So the idea is that, and this is going to be a little bit longer series of conversation because there's a little less things to talk about, but I also want to make it be solid. So anyway, so you go through um, Genesis three, you discover that you know the woman is curious the woman is interested you know eve is interested in this tree and and satan's able to get her to think about it and now the thing is one of the things i believe with human nature is we have this desire to be like god we always do i mean we create uh comic comic book characters for that purpose to give them godlike powers that we can only imagine to have so it's very interesting that the one thing that Satan did was he thought he can beat God and he revolted against him to try to take over heaven. And God's like, uh, no, I created you. And he just like, you know, flicked them off and sent him down on earth basically to roam around. So the idea is that we have demonic forces, the spiritual realm. We've talked about that. There's a spiritual warfare going on around us on a daily basis. So we know that Satan's message right here was if I going to get kicked out and I'm going to be thrown into hell for it, I'm going to try to destroy his creation. So he goes after the people underneath God. So once again, it's that same image that we get to see. So we go through this whole story. We, we you know, she decides to take the apple and then she gives it to Adam. Adam was there, mind you, and he ate from it. So we find out later, you know, God's like, hey, where are you guys? And they're all hiding. And I mean, God knew where they were at. It wasn't like a big secret, but because they saw that they were naked, they hid. And then he's like, you know, kind of like, so what happened? And they're just kind of, eh, well, you know, it's the woman you made me. So once again, he's he's blaming Eve, but he's also blaming God. And then Eve goes, well, it's the serpent. And she's blaming him, but neither one of them took blame for themselves, for their actions, their choices. So what did God do? He killed animals took their skin and he clothed them now this is why this is so important to have a better understanding about the fall that's the first image that we get that there is going to be a savior that's the first image of understanding there was going to be an ultimate lamb that was going to have to die for our sins because you know god used this example by taking the animal skin as the sacrifice and then covering them with their skin just like jesus blood covers us and our sin so i find that very fascinating and this is the imagery that goes on throughout scripture we see it in noah's ark so, you know he remember god wanted to destroy all the earth but because of noah he was willing to save and he made one way to be saved the boat animals family they're the only ones that made it everybody else got killed and then we could see it imagefied into other stuff throughout scripture. And we could see it in the kingship. We could see it in the fact that the people wanted a king instead of God. You know, he's showing that people wanted to live in sin rather than trust in the Lord. There, there's these images. Uh, we got Joseph with the many colors and that he will share the dreams, blah, blah, blah. He gets thrown. He puts him, he works with the Potiphar and then he ends up in prison. But you get to see how God used one man to eventually save all of Israel, which is the same imagery of Jesus. 
the perfect man, even though Joseph wasn't perfect, but the perfect man to come and save the world. So we have all these imageries that go through. This is why the fall of man is very vital and very important. If you could disprove this and make people start questioning this, this is the foundation of why Christ came. We have all the prophets and the and the and the prophesying of the Messiah, and we can't sit there and say that Jesus did not come to save the world through dying on the cross, being the perfect Lamb. But yet, there is philosophies out there teaching us that this point is not important. So I want you guys to understand that these are so far the two things you should have understanding for as men of God, as warriors of God, because this is your platform. This is your foundation information of your faith. And this is somewhere in your churches should be teaching these stories. They should be talking about creation. They should be talking about the fall of man, because this is the essence of why Jesus came. Because the next part is about redemption. That picture of redemption is vital from this fall to that point. And the journey from this point of the fall to all the way when Jesus gets here, that's that whole scenario in between is to show grace and how, why, how important sin, or I should say how bad sin is and the importance that God places on it as separating us from him. I mean, he literally removed Adam and Eve from Eden and put a fiery sword. He didn't put a please don't enter sign. He didn't put a really nice picture frame over the wall. And it wasn't a bunch of peace signs saying, you know, go in peace. No, he kicked them out and he put a fiery sword to block the entryway with an angel. That imagery should get you right now. Right now should identify the importance of how bad sin is. But yet. The imagery in verse 15 of Genesis 3 talks about, I will put enmity between you and the woman, that's Satan and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now that image right there is the picture of Christ because later on you discover that he will crush the head of Satan. So the idea is that right now, because of the curse that has been brought in because of sin, you know, all of us are brought into this world with this in nature. And sadly, we will have this enmity of sin and flesh fighting each other and, and our, our spiritual part fighting each other. And there's going to be this battle of separation between us and God. And only Jesus could bring that back. We're going to take a quick break and go to the next two sections. See you in a moment. Hey, warriors, and welcome back. And we've been talking about the first two parts, which is creation and the fall. The next two is about re uh, redemption or, yeah, redemption and restoration. So the idea is behind this is that restoration comes when Christ, or not restoration, redemption comes when Christ comes, right? So talk about the fall and the, and the whole traveling of stories and information in between. See, the, this, this third one, I think right now is where I'm seeing a lot more attack from the progressive movement, from philosophies and ideals that are getting into our church, from the new age movement getting into our church, to the factor that people have a misconception of what Jesus was all about. They picture this man as someone who never got into fights, looked like he was clean cut, um, never made like never made the mistakes, 
and never did anything wrong. So therefore, he was all about peace and love. And that was it. But remember, Christ, yes, he was perfect. He was holy. But he came not to bring peace in the sense of make everybody love each other. But he brought in war to defeat sin. Remember, he died on the cross for a sin to defeat it, to defeat death. That make sure that the that the separation that we had between us and man would not be separated anymore because of what he did by covering our sins. And all we have to do is accept that. So the truth is, we have created a misconception of Christ, right? Because here's the thing is, with uh, progressive movements, I do believe the progressive movement that we're seeing today is a product of the emergent church movement that heavily pushed itself in the early 2000s. I was young enough to witness, I was old enough to witness it, but young enough to not have a full understanding of what was happening. So I've had people come in and use these methods into trying to teach young people and kind of change the mindset. But if you guys make take a time, here's another study that might be fascinating for you guys is the emergent church movement. If you really go and find books about it, if there's pastors who used to be in the emergent church emergent ugh, emergent church movement who have written books about it and have and and explain to you what they thought in their heads and what was going on to the point until they study the scriptures and things just didn't make sense. So one of the main things, there's uh, Rob Bell is one, and there's plenty of things you could look up to discover about him, his views, what he believes in. And then there's also Brian McLaren, which is another big one that you could find. He's he's basically kind of like the, I guess you could say the title book cover of it. You know, he has the biggest influence and ideals behind it. But the idea is that through... The emergent church movement and you will find a little bit of that understanding in Alyssa Childer's books because she kind of explains some views which I thought was really neat that she was able to see it but they want you to believe that the Bible's like a library book I've been noticing I've been hearing or not hearing but seeing people like put out quotes saying like the best book in the world or the biggest the biggest library that we can ever have is the Bible and though that sounds awesome in the view that it's like, yes, has everything we need. That's not what that means. Basically, what it's kind of telling you is that the Bible is like a bunch of stories that aren't true, but are great examples of teaching us something that we can better ourselves. So you're going to start hearing little bits and pieces. It won't be in your face because we've talked about wolves and sheep's clothing. We've talked about devices in the church. But a lot of times these people are not going to be in your face about things. They're going to be very subtle and they're going to make sure they already have kind of people around them that are just going to trust them enough that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. So here's the main thing. The one thing about creating the image that the Bible is a bunch of stories means that all those people that we read about didn't really happen. They're just stories. So therefore, interpretation is actually based on the beholder, however they want to see it and however they want to use it. So that way the narrative for our faith can be however we want to interpret it, which is very rampant today. That's probably one of the biggest issues I see is that people aren't really studying understanding, but they're reading it and then interpreting it the way they want to. And so when they say, oh, well, you're just doing the same thing. It's like, no, it's not. 
not necessarily doing the same thing. I, I, I did some historical learning too about the culture and what's going on. You know, like the idea behind Pharaoh and why God hardened his heart. People can interpret that in many different ways they want, but if you understand the culture, Pharaoh was considered God on earth. And so when he said, yes, I'll, I will let your people go. The reason why God hardened his heart is to show that he is not a God on earth because all of Egypt thought he was. And so God hardened his heart to show who was actually going to let his people go. It wasn't going to be Pharaoh. See, that's not written in scripture, but it is written in history of understanding of how Egyptian Egyptians look at their pharaohs. Now, I know later on they didn't look at them necessarily as gods anymore, but during this time they did. So the idea is that we have to understand also a bit about culture, which is why later on even in New Testament there's stuff that people are like, well, see, see, you know, uh, Paul was a sexist. He didn't believe in women because, you know, everybody loves throwing out the verses where he says women should be quiet in, in service. But if you understand what was going on during that time frame, then you have a better understanding of understanding what he was really trying to say. You see, that's the main thing is if you don't study beyond just reading the scriptures, but you also don't just interpret the way you want it based on your feelings of current time, based on what is the latest social justice thing that we should get behind, because that's why we get a lot of misuse of scripture like last year when they decided to use the 99 versus the one sheep as a support for Black Lives Matter and why they used it for justifying that we need to be social justice fighters because that's a misuse of scripture that has nothing to do with social justice. That has everything to do that God is willing to go after one of us as Christian brothers in Christ, not everybody, Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, that like you or me, if we were to fall off and run off into the wild and do our own thing and get it to be in the world, he's not going to focus on the 99 who are walking in truth and leave that person on his own. No, he's going to go after that one and do everything possible to get them to come back to the flock. That has nothing to do with skin color. That has nothing to do with social justice issues. That has nothing to do with anything that last year was trying to promote and trying to throw out there because they even try to use the real imagery of why the, the shepherding system where it's like every 100 sheep, the 100th sheep is always black to identify. So if you have 10 sheep, it means that guy has, you know, a thousand sheep. They're trying to say, see, that's the one black person. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with color, skin, or social justice. That's not how that works. You can't interpret scripture and the parables to fit your agenda and your motives. That is wrong. And that's what's in our churches today. Because of the emergent mindset that has come into the progressive mindset, we are seeing people interpret scripture based on feeling, emotion, and spiritualism. They want to feel Jesus. They want to feel the Holy Spirit. They want to feel God. And this is where the failure comes in. That's why I think right now with the way our culture is, especially the church culture, right there is the main issue of misconception of truth. Because we keep forgetting that Jesus told his disciples to go grab, get a sword. If you have two coats, sell one, get a sword. 
Now, why would he want him to get a sword? It's not to chop vegetables. It's not to put on the wall as a decoration. He did it because he wanted him to understand that there's going to be times we need as Christians to protect ourselves. And then two, there is also him, him going into the temple, flipping all the tables and everything. It wasn't for social justice issues. It wasn't for trying to make the agenda be what he wanted. No, it's because they were misusing God's imagery for their own gain, selfish gain. You see, we keep forgetting that Jesus came into this world to teach us that sin separates us from God. The gospel message. The whole purpose and plan of the Christian is to share the gospel message. And yes, that means accepting scripture 100%. Because this is why we're starting to get the doubt system that's going on through through the churches. People starting to say, well... I think the Bible was messed with and that it's not 100% what God wanted and we need to add all these other scriptures to it because that makes it better. Why? Because it also allows you to have more control about your actions and what you believe. It's the same with how they interpret words for like homosexuality or for uh, what means to be like being sexually active. Like they try to twist up the the truth by finding these words and trying to interpret the way they want it to be interpreted because it fits the agenda. But in reality, if you studied the culture and understanding of what they meant by then, then it fits into what we believe in today. It it doesn't mean we run around, you know, chasing people down and and, and telling them they're all going to go to hell. But it does not mean also to sit back and not say anything. It also doesn't mean just being running around being loving to everybody and accepting everybody because then you're not telling them that, hey, you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Christ. See, the thing is, we have become, in my opinion, very soft in our understanding of scripture because we don't want to talk about the hard stuff. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about things that are going to make people feel uncomfortable. We want people to love us and like us, which is why we have such a big issue with so many people loving these big churches who just are just so loving and so um, tolerant and so accepting of people because they're not teaching people, hey, stop living with your girlfriend, get married. Stop having sex every day with different women. Hey, stop getting drunk every single night. Hey, stop doing drugs every day. Hey, stop living with the same sex person and having sex with them because that's not what God intended. Hey, stop living with each other when you're not married when you should be. There's like, hey, stop uh, not getting married because it's easier in life. That, that's not how what God is intended. God intended if you're going to be with somebody, you need to be married. Stop messing around with things and saying, well, it's not that bad. Well, it's not as bad as murder. Well, it's not as bad as this. You can't keep comparing and then sit there and go, why is God not talking to me? Why do I feel like I don't, I don't know God very well. It's because now we, after, since that, that is the question. Now we start throwing in the spiritualism and start saying, Hey, well, you know, with spiritualism, you know, you got to feel the Holy spirit. And if you don't feel it, then that means you don't have enough faith. It's not the fact that maybe you're just living in sin and you need to stop doing it so that way you're focusing on God and spending time in God's word and praying and walking in truth and doing what God tells you in scripture. No, 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 it's not that. It's because you don't have enough faith. You see how it's distorting this truth and it's starting to create it so it's so soft and easy that you can kind of interpret it in any way you want and be accepting everything. 
so the idea that I keep hearing that Chris needs just to, to move, you know, catch up, move along, get, you know, get up to the times like this poor church, this not church, but a school that I know that's getting bashed out here because they found out two of their teachers were gay and lied about it. Basically didn't, weren't upfront about it, but now that they made people feel good about them and comfortable around them, that they're more open about it and they got fired for it. Why? Because in the contract that they wrote, they're supposed to follow the values of scripture and scripture say that, you know, this is not right. And they signed on that contract. You see, that's the problem. You have all these people now around saying you need to catch up with times. No, you guys need to catch up on the truth. You're the ones that have forgotten what the truth has said. It's not the other way around. And I do pray that that school holds to their standards and does not fall into being tolerant because then God's not going to bless them anymore. It's going to eventually falter or become super liberal. It's not going to even be a Christian school anymore. You see, this is the main issue right now. It's, it's all about being tolerant and accepting. But when you study the scriptures for real and what it is, you're going to find that it's not going to agree with what the world thinks is okay. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians today who are accepting of all this and they're accepting of progressive movements because it allows them to have more freedom to be however they want. So if anything, we could spend even more time on this subject alone, but it is big. It's huge because we got to be reminded in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. This is where I think we are in this part of our faith foundation. This is where I think people are having a misconception of redemption and a misconception of what restoration is going to look like for the future. And we'll continue verse four and we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelists, fulfill your ministry. This is why it's so important for you, gentlemen, you guys, you warriors out there, you need to make sure that you are learning truth, that you're not just getting what you think makes you feel good inside, that makes you feel that it's just the ears of what you think is more concerning, but that you're understanding your truth so that when these teachers are teaching this stuff, you're like, no, 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 that's not true and confront them. A lot of people think that they have to treat pastors as if, like, you can't say they're wrong. But you can. And there's plenty of them that you could confront. People are so afraid. Because they don't want to lose the, the relationships they have in these communities. But that's the thing is, you could find churches that are teaching truth and you'll find a community. Sadly, I still think a lot of churches who are speaking truth are too quiet are sitting too far in the back back row hiding and not out enough impacting. And that's another story. But then again, now we're going to the fourth point, which is restoration. The, the problem with the understanding of restoration is if you destroy the, the third point, 
and start making it be more open. Restoration is now like an open book, universal thinking. Anybody can make it to heaven. All the religions are coming together. All we need to do is just be more loving. If we were more loving and more accepting, these people are going to discover God, but in their own way. It makes it easier to take the next part of the journey after accepting so-called Christ because it actually could be, who, who, whose God are we talking about? Because, I, you know, according to scripture, you're not talking about the same God that I know. So the idea is that what happens is eventually restoration gets corrupted. And they start thinking, hey, you know, I'm a good person. I, can, I should be allowed to go to heaven. Even though scripture says no one can go before the Father but through me. And that all have sinned and fallen short. Those are all verses that are in scripture, but we don't use them and talk about them. And so we just accept everybody. Well, you know, you know, Islam talks to the same God and it seems very similar. So I'm sure they're going to make it. Well, no, look at their theology. It's not the same. Well, you know, the Mormons, they, they believe in God and everything like that, but their theology. Well, you know, the, the idea of walking around and, and, and finding your inner self, that doesn't sound like wrong because it can lead to God. Well, no, not if you're not telling them what it means. Like, who is God? What did Jesus do for them? That's part of the gospel message. So restoration is not going to be this amazing thing at the end for everybody. You're going to have a lot of people going very, looking very confused as to why they're going to hell when they did amazing things for people. Because ultimately, I still think that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, when you go and do th good things for people, it's for self-glorification. To make yourself feel good that you've done something good. And ultimately, that's that word is called selfishness. But most people would be like, no, it's not being selfish. You're just doing good things. No, no, no. You're doing it because you want to feel good. Yeah, but you do that now even with the Holy Spirit. No, you, if you think about it, you're, you're asking God to teach you how to be able to help other people. And the feel good is you're praising God through it. You're thanking him for the opportunity. A lot of times if you don't know Jesus or God, your, your goal is how do I feel? You know, I gave money to this church because I feel great. I think there's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God, don't you know me? He's going to be like, I don't know you. Because everything you did was for yourself. Yeah, but I accepted your son. No, no, you didn't really accept him. What you did is you said the words so that you could feel good about yourself. See, I think there's going to be a lot of people running in that side of the those tracks. And that's why the importance of understanding restoration after Christ, after accepting Christ, restoration, God's going to be moving in you. Your fruit is going to show who God is. Your your actions, your words, your beliefs, your standards, your 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 morals are all going to change to be more Christ-likeness. If you accept Christ and you're still doing exactly the same stuff, I'm going to wonder, and, and this is just not me judging you, but me wondering if you actually did accept Christ because there should be a change in you, a motive to want to change. And there should be guilt. There should be a desire when you make a mistake that you want to change. If I don't, if I'm not seeing that, then, and you're like, well, you know, well, this is just who I am. No, 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 no. There should be a change. You should try to not be someone who's cussing all the time at home. You should not be chasing after women. You shouldn't, be struggling with the idea of not getting drunk in the sense that you don't feel like it's wrong because it's always been what you've always been. See, there should be some form of, hey, I want to change. I want to strive for that change. And Christ is the only one that can give me that change. And it is possible. That's part of restoration. So that by the time, you know, if we die, Christ's return, 
we will be restored once again 100% with Christ and 100% with God. And that's the beauty of that part. So I hope this podcast was really helpful. I hope it, it kind of gets you guys to kind of maybe want to study other things about your faith. Like I said, you know, creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. To really get into that a little bit deeper for yourself to have more of a passion of your foundational faith. Because I could tell you this, Satan is attacking all four of those. And if he could break any of that in you, it's going to mess up all the other three. Just having a misconception of one can misconception the other three as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless this conversation, that your truth will come out, that you will help these men that are listening to these podcasts, but specifically for this one, to make sure that they double check their foundational truth of where they stand in with you and their, their understanding of scripture and that it's infallible, that it is you protecting your word for the truth for today. I pray you help them to go a little bit deeper, that they, they, they take one of these challenges of study and go with it and just get better understanding and, and, and better truth holding for themselves so that when they have to debate or talk or deal with people, they will have an understanding about it. And that'll make it a little bit easier to share the gospel message. That'll make it a little bit easier to, to walk with truth and be confident knowing that it's because of you. I pray this that these men will be transformed today, that they'll let go of anything that's holding them back, any sin that's holding them back, that they give it to you, Lord. And that you, once one thing, you know, you're going to forgive them, but that you'll help them to change. And that they get on the track they're supposed to be with you, walking in truth and walking with understanding of that truth. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a blessed day, and I will see you next time.